Building Years Podcast with Justin Alexio and Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the show. What's going on, guys? This is the Building Years. I'm Jeremiah Watkins. I'm Justin Alexio. It's Friday. Yeah, it is, and we have that means it's a guest time. Yeah, Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. Uh, please <laughs> welcome to the show our good friend. He is a writer for uh, new hit smash NBC sitcom Undateable, just recently renewed renewed for season two. Please welcome John DeWalt to the show, guys. Woo-hoo. What's up, guys? What Did up? not know it was Freaky Friday. That's good. <laughs> I was yep. trying to make it sound cool. That's yeah. Like well, now everyone knows what to expect. It's just a fun time, <laughs> right? It's a, isn't that the movie where they switch bodies? <laughs> it <Something>. totally is. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan at her finest. Yeah, yeah. I guess I should be more specific. There's like seven movies where they switch bodies, but yeah. the Lindsay Lohan body switching movie. Yeah. There's the Rob Schneider one. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The hot chick. There's Judge there. Reinhold uh, and Kevin from The Wonder Years have a good one. You should check out Ryan Reynolds, Jason Bateman. That's a good one. That premise is just so strong. <laughs> yeah. They just keep finding new ways. You know what? But if you want to sell a movie, you should pitch that premise <laughs> and then see what happens. Battle-tested baby. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so uh, thank you for coming by. Uh, we just had your buddy on recently, uh, Chris Alvarado. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was a great one. I listened to that. That was good. Oh, thanks. Uh, and uh, we were talking to him about uh, Chicago. You are also you also trained in Chicago. Do you want us to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. Uh, that's where I started. I uh, grew up there, and when I was a little kid, my dad would always take me to um, Second City shows. And so, like when I was eight years old, I remember going to see like Tina Fey's main stage show and oh, like wow. people like that, like right in the prime Rachel Dratch's show. Like, so your dad was just a comedy nerd or? He was a comedy nerd, still is. And uh, so then I started training there after high school and I was able to let, convince my mom to let me drop out and just pursue it full time. And so I was the hyper annoying, in high school, uh, super annoying 19 year old kid who's at every show in Chicago and <laughs> taking every class and laughing way too loud. And I did that for a couple of years, and then I did a short stint in Amsterdam, and then I moved to L.A. Oh, cool. Did you do, was it Boom? Boom? Yeah, I did a little three-monther over I did there. not know that. Yeah. You, I thought you had to do yeah. a year in Boom. I did a three-monther. I wasn't a full. I was, uh, I was they, at the time, they had a TV show as well, so they needed extra ammo. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I came in. I had some fun. The TV show got canceled. Wamp, wamp. And I moved to L.A. after that. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> now, was it hard to convince your mom to get you to be at a place where she was comfortable with you not going to college or were you hyper enough and, and, and she knew you're funny enough where she's like, all right, this makes sense. We'll just let yeah. John do this. I think that's throwing away a lot of money. Yeah. Did I, you start? I think I did one year at Illinois state and I think she knew because during that year I commuted from Illinois state, which is at the bottom of Illinois by St. Louis all the way up North to Chicago. I would do second city class on the weekends and then come back. So, like, we'd party all night at college, and then I'd take this long trip through the entire state of Illinois. <laughs> and one time I fell asleep at the wheel, and I rear-ended this family in my car. And I, like, <laughs> wrecked my I just fell asleep. And I just wrecked this car. And luckily everybody was okay, and it wasn't, like, the biggest deal. But it was like, okay, you should probably make a decision. And it was at that point where, like... If I was going to continue at school, I was going to have to take on student loans, and like yeah, it was going to be a whole yeah. thing. So it was just like, I know what I want to do. 
so I have to go just go do it. And she was pretty supportive of it right away. That's cool. It always helps yeah. whenever parents are like, yep, I see I see what you are wanting to do. I support your decision. Go go have fun, kid. Yeah, it made it a lot easier. I've heard some of the stories of people with tough parents, and I just oh. can't even imagine. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a problem with uh, falling asleep with the wheel? Because I definitely do. I have. Do you, like, do you still, like, since then... Uh, was it kind of a wake-up call where you're like, oh, I got to get more sleep, and now I don't fall asleep at the wheel anymore because you are good about, like, getting caffeine and all that stuff, or do you still kind of fight with it? Yeah, that was definitely the only time. Um, that was for sure the only time, and that scared me because uh, when I moved to Chicago, I didn't even have a car anymore. I just did the CTA or the public transit, yeah. Yeah. and I got a car again in L.A., but I've never had to do, like, cross-state trips to do <laughs> improv class uh, or whatever, so it hasn't been an issue. I, I definitely sleep pretty well. Um, but yeah, at the time I was just doing the college life and then trying to go do improv class, so were you, which is so were you, weird. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you, uh, since you were so young doing it, were you treated like as the baby? I always wondered like how Chicago is a clicky. Yeah, I think everything is clicky uh, in my experience, especially in comedy. And I was treated like the baby. Um, I did the teen ensemble class and then I graduated into the adult class. Uh <laughs> And I, I definitely obviously had a passion for it that maybe some of my classmates didn't match. And I was definitely more eager. And it's kind of like everywhere I've been, I've been the baby. And I've been doing this for 11 years. And I'm st- still, I still feel I have that reputation. Like when I, st- when I switched improv over to stand-up, I was like the new guy. And I'm yeah. hanging out with the old guys. And I'm the new guy. And then when I started working on Undateable, I'm the, the young rookie who needs to get haze and get like, you know, brought up to speed by the old guys. And so I've pretty much for 11 years been a rookie, <laughs> for lack of a better word, for sure. When did uh, you make the switch over to stand-up? Because you were doing, you said you're focusing mainly on improv in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Was it in Los Angeles you started doing stand-up? Yeah. Uh, I switched in L.A. I had a reality check, uh, you know, in Chicago, and I heard Chris talk about this on his episode. It's very much you're going to do – I own Second City. You're going to get Turco and then main stage, and then you're obviously going to get SNL, and then right. from there you'll for sure, of course, be a movie star. Uh, <laughs> and that's the path that I was on in my head. And then I thought I'd take a shortcut and move to L.A., and I realized that um, – Compared to what I was used to in Chicago, the improv scene here wasn't that strong to me. Um, it didn't, I didn't fit in as well. This wasn't my crew, my whatever. I didn't take classes with these guys. They were definitely nice. I couldn't get in at UCB. I couldn't afford more classes. Yeah. I was doing IO shows. I was on a Herald team for a while, but like it was in the annex, and it was kind of like it had broken up. And so I kind of hit a wall with it, and I wasn't feeling creative. And at that same time, I met uh, Rick Glassman doing uh, extra work, which I was doing for really? a long time. Yeah, we met. Uh, Rick is another comedian, and he's an actor on uh, Undateable. And we met um, <laughs> doing extra work on Angels and Demons, uh, Tom Hanks' vehicle. Uh, and we just instantly hit it off, and we were instantly like the annoying kids in class. We were just like doing jokes and being super loud. Like they had to literally separate us in the scenes, like. <laughs> These PAs separated us. Um, and so once I met him, I started hanging out with him, and he started bringing me around, like, the comedy store. And I felt that sense of community that I had at IO Chicago at the comedy store. Yeah. And it was at the same time that I started, like, being more interested in writing than I was in acting. If I guess I like both, but if I had to choose, I was starting to be more into TV writing. And obviously stand-up suits writers more because you get to create and polish and work on and retool stuff over and over and over 
and I just sort of fell into stand-up right at the time that I had fallen out of improv, so it was kind of perfect timing. It just kind of worked out. Yeah. And then uh, after you and Rick knew each other for a while, you formed the sketch group, That Guy and His <laughs> yeah. Friend, which I uh, love your guys' videos. Thank you. <laughs> uh, when did you start doing that with, uh, whenever, when did you start making videos with Rick? Like, how long were you guys friends before yeah. you were like, we got to start making sketches together? Um, I'd say a little over a year because mm-hmm. the first time I hung out with Rick outside of extra work, uh, I was convinced that he had beat his girlfriend. <laughs> so, <laughs> How do you jump to that conclusion? I did not hang. I, so I just ignored him for a year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he would instant message me because that was still during AIM time. And I would just ignore him. And he would text <laughs> me. And I would just ignore him. And then, like, a, a year later, my girlfriend was like, you know, you should hit up that guy again. You really liked him. And you don't really have that many friends. And that was the one guy you really liked. <laughs> And so I hit him back up and told him, I thought that you beat your girlfriend. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I never fucking beat. We just lost a year of friendship because you're a fucking idiot. Uh, The reason was because we went over there and uh, (laughs) it was me and Rick and Rick's girlfriend at the time. And they had made like tacos. And we were when Rick first moved here, he was staying at his uncle's very like fancy, very big like mansion-y house. And so he was very particular, like, you can't get the carpet, you can't mess up the furniture, like, everything has to be nice, it's my uncle's house, he's letting me stay here. Yeah. And the girlfriend had spilled water on, like, this super expensive rug, and Rick was, like, uh, like, starting to get mad, so she goes and gets a paper towel, she comes back with just one paper towel, which, of course, is not enough. <laughs> as, as the water starts sipping into the rug and into the fibers, he's like, what the fuck are you going to do with one paper towel? It's obviously going to soak in and make mildew. Like, you got to take a whole, you got to get the whole paper towel. And so she's like, oh, okay, I'll go get more paper towels. And this was my first time ever hanging out with him outside yeah. of extra work. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy beats his girlfriend. Like, that girl is an abuse victim. Like, so I just ignored him for a year. And I turned out to be completely wrong. That's so funny. Glad that worked out for everybody. So long way around the question is a year later, we hung back out. And he was mad at me, obviously. And then we got over it. And we started doing uh, videos right after that, yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, I remember th- John and I have been friends for a while. We, we've <laughs> known each other for a while. I've, uh, I originally met you and Rick, actually, at iOS, the open mic there. I started mm-hmm. seeing you guys around, and then I, I think we went, we went and got burgers <laughs> at uh, right around the corner, whatever. It was Smash Umami? Burger? Maybe 101. We would go on there a, a lot. It's on Coenga. Oh. Is it Smash Umami? Burger. No, it's... Oh, no, no, no. It's that place... Um, it's, it's in the same the mini patio. section as, as Big Wang's. It's in that yeah, same yeah, place, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not... It's uh, Stout. Stout. That's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I, like... Uh, it was so funny whenever you... Okay, whenever you and... Uh, this was my... Like, this is going back on first impressions, like... Uh, this is what I remember people saying about you and Rick. Yeah, was, uh, which I'm sure is very polarized. Uh, <laughs> back then, they were like, those guys go to the comedy store. Like, and, uh-huh. and that was like a bigger deal because uh, I had only been a couple times and I, uh, to the comedy store, and I held off going there for a while because I was like, I need to build up material before right. I start going there. Right. And uh, so you guys would come by the iOS open mic and some guys would be, it'd be like the, the murmur, murmur, whisper thing. Like, those guys go to the comedy store. Oh, my God. I never <laughs> knew that. That's like, crazy. They're like, uh, they're like a, like a bigger deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> because, because you also, Jade would be hosting and you guys would do like kind of drop-in spots. Uh-huh. So we're like, these guys are like big deals, and then you invite you invited me to uh, 
<laughs> you invited me to Stout to go with you, and I remember looking back at my friends. <laughs> I was with the crew, Leaving and I just behind. waved. Oh I just waved and went with you guys, and they're like, "Jeremiah's gone with John to class in the Stout." Oh my so, god! Like, uh, so I went with you guys, and you guys were talking about the comedy store, and I was like, "Man, I gotta start." Going yeah, there. I started as soon. I'm like, I start gotta start going there. These are where like the cool guys go. That makes me feel so, I guess, great because like obviously in high school I was for sure the loser <laughs> and not like oh the guys are from the comedy store. <laughs> uh, so like that's awesome. That's really cool. But that's uh, I think that's all thanks to Rick. Like Rick would know Jade and would just text me like yeah we can just drop by. I'll just text her on our way over <laughs> and like okay cool that's great we get to do the iOS open mic. It's so exciting. <laughs> so, um, but yeah that's crazy to hear that. I never do that. That's funny. I always uh, in my head we always had just started around around the same time so i right. never thought of it was, any sort of i think thing. it was just a little bit there's a little bit of, of a division there because uh you guys were going to the comedy store a little bit before me mm-hmm. and uh i had been wa- it was one of those things i'd been wanting so badly to go there but yeah. i like was forcing myself to not go until i had enough <laughs> stuff yeah. and and then whenever i met you guys i was like man i gotta get there <laughs> yeah <So> cool <laughs> i did the same thing as you did i uh hung out with rick and brent and the, that crew for like six months before i jumped in i was like Cause I like I was in this like I guess artsy thing where I was like I respect stand up like I, a lot of improvisers try to do it but like that's bullshit like it's a different art and you have to respect it for what it is and I was like I can't get on stage until I know what I want to talk about until I am ready to start so like I definitely just hung out that's and just cool. watched shows for like six months and they would drive to Ice House for Comedy Juice and I would go along and not get up and just watch and then I started like doing my first sets and open mics and stuff so I know that feeling it's yeah. like you don't want to go too early it's like then fuck because <laughs> you only have one chance to make a first impression yeah. and then people are like oh it's this kind of comic or whatever Ever. Yeah, for sure. Know. Then the high school starts. Yeah, yeah. Then that whole <laughs> that whole thing starts over. That's crazy. Again. I remember watching uh, one of your uh, old reels. Oh no! <laughs> oh, yeah. This was a, this was around the time. This Fuck. was around the time. Oh, no. This was around the time whenever I was like. Man, who is this guy? I gotta uh, like, and we were, we became Facebook friends and stuff. And yeah. uh, I saw that you had a uh, like a, a small part in the movie Wanted. Yeah, and I was like, that's so cool. He's, <laughs> he's in that. He's in the same movie as Angelina Jolie. Yeah, same what, scene. What, yeah. what was uh, that was that was one of the earlier gigs that you booked out here, right? I did that in Chicago. That was shot in Chicago. Really? That was before I got here. Yeah. Really. Uh-huh. How did you get that? Did you have like a Chicago agent? Uh, I had a Chicago agent, uh, uh, which turned out not to be the best. Uh, uh, and I'll put them on blast. They're called Ambassador Talent. Uh, <laughs> wow. Which uh, I got from a mailing so that you know that they were excited so about my potential. Yeah, 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 you know. And then um, <laughs> it's so funny, a side tangent. I, I, my wife and I went home. Uh, recently, and we're going through the old boxes of stuff. Yeah. You know, you keep shit at, at your parents' house, and I found uh, my ambassador talent contract framed that that we had <laughs> kept because I was so excited. Like, I got my first agent. I'm going to be the next Lonely Island. I'm on my way. Um, but what ended up happening is they're pretty much. I mean, if you need to picture it, picture uh, Joey's agent on Friends is pretty much what it was. <laughs> and uh, they are like, hey, there's this role, and they want they need young guys, and so we went and met the director. And he was, like, on a set, like, building, like, all the explosion shit, like, effects of that movie. And he just looked at us and said, okay, yeah, they're good. And then so we got the role. And I was like, I was like, I'm in. Like, this, I'm in a movie. This is going to change everything for me. And then we get on set. And um, 
We just hang. I remember we were in. We were waiting for like four hours while watching out the window. There's that scene where Angelina Jolie is hanging off the Viper, like yeah. off the hood of the car, and like hanging off and like shooting a gun and shit. <laughs> and we were watching that get shot. And like whenever Angelina would come to set, there's like four SUVs full of bodyguards for her to come from the trailer to the set. And like all these huge ethnic guys would get out and just be like her bodyguards. And then she would delicately get on the car and they'd have wires and she'd be hanging off the car and then she's all of a sudden this action movie star um so it came time to do my scene and i remember being like okay this is the big leagues this is it right here this is angelina jolie movie time like i'm gonna kill this this is go time and of course if you've seen it it's like less than two seconds it's just a whatever uh little i guess cameo but uh, ambassador talent told me that i would get credit on IMDb and in the end credits and get whatever the bullshit pay was. But that none of that existed. There's no end credit. There's no IMDb credit, even though my name was Driving Dude, number two. Uh, it was essentially uh, featured extra work, and uh, there's no credit for it. It's not a real role. I, it's, it's just <laughs> it's all horseshit. There's, I remember calling SAG when I moved out here, like, hey, can this help me at all? They're like, no, of course not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just, just fucking eating shit, just losing all the time. Now, did, did part of you, like, because the way the director was like, yeah, these guys are good. Yeah. Did part of you think in your brain, like, Oh, it's this easy for me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm start booking stuff. Yeah, Left and right. If, if the director's just, like, pointing at me, like, yep, these guys are good. <laughs> yeah. I thought that, like, this was like, oh, it's just going to be one of those Chicago guys who does movies and then does, like, Second City at night or whatever. But, of course, none of that happened, and it was years of failure ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so let's fast forward to Los Angeles. Whenever you started doing... Uh, uh, stand-up and, and mm-hmm. acting in Los Angeles. What was the shift like from Chicago, and how difficult did you did you begin to find that Los Angeles actually was? Um, that's a great question. I um, for those people who know me, like at the comedy scene, I have like this false persona that I put on that's kind of sarcastic, and I make fun of a lot of stuff. Like everything is a joke to me so like if we're at a comedy club waiting to go up i'll be like what's up guys we're gonna go crush this stuff just working on material tonight's for us let's have fun tonight just do like (laughs) bullshit um that's for fun and that's for jokes but the real me um i'm very strong willed i'm an only child i've kind of always done shit myself i knew that la was going to be hard i moved out here with a hundred bucks um, really? I had two grand in savings, but my mom charged me 1900 for her Camry. So thanks, mom. <laughs> Couldn't even give me the car. So I came. So I, how did you find a place? In, with I crashed at my friend TJ Miller's house while he was in Pittsburgh shooting a movie. Wow. TJ Miller is a much more successful actor mm-hmm. uh, than me. And he would have me help him uh, like do like some assistant shit. And I remember like he was also doing a movie with Denzel Washington and like checks would come to the house. $45,000 this check, $43,000 next check, Twenty eight grand next check. I would go deposit that shit for him. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm working the midnight shift at J. Crew for like eight bucks an hour. <laughs> like, I've always been surrounded by success, but never been involved in it. Right. I've been closer to success, I think, than any other aspiring comedian, that, I would say. Drove you, drove you? Yeah, it drives me. I mean, you know, I'm holding a $45,000 check for some guy who's not even in town to cash it. <laughs> like, I've never had that much money. Uh, so yeah, so I crashed his place. I worked J Crew. I couldn't do it because I, I literally, for real, don't know how to fold a shirt. Uh, so I quit over email. Started doing extra work. Uh, I love that you quit over email. Yeah, I was just like, hey, it's not happening. I quit. 
I started doing extra work. I uh, had to find a place to live, so I crashed on this dude's couch who was kind of friends with TJ. I didn't really know. That was the worst ever, obviously. Uh, had to get out of there. Found, I rented for $700 a month a room from this uh, Korean guy in Crenshaw, his house, oh, oh, no. named Hubert. And Hubert would buy us all groceries. There was like five extras who lived rented rooms out of this house in, in, in Koreatown, Crenshaw district. And I lived there for a long time, doing extra work every day. And my girlfriend came to visit me. We were long distance at the time. And she was like, it's so weird that Hubert has a fake hand. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Hubert has a fake hand. And she's like, he has like a wooden hand. Like he has a fake. I was like, no, he doesn't. I've lived here two months. He doesn't have a fake hand. His hand was so fake. Like it was, it was Chubbs' hand from Happy Gilmore. Is what it was for real. And I never, I guess I don't pay attention to anything. Did I you ask him what happened to him? He got in a motorcycle accident when he was 16 and he lost his hand. <laughs> so I lived there for a long time. And then I swept hair at a barber shop, uh, at Rudy's barber shop, while I started doing stand up. And, and uh, this was all like while you're trying to go on auditions here. Yeah, and there so the Crenshaw, the Crenshaw era is uh, while I'm also doing IO and doing commercials. Like, I was lucky enough to get a couple of commercials. But even then, it's that same theme with me of success but not success. So I got a national commercial. And that's uh, great, and it's airing all the time. It was for Gamefly, like, in 2010. But it happened to be a non-union buyout. And yeah. my manager at the time was like, you know, if this was just a regular commercial, you would have made, like, six figures on this commercial. But I ended up making, like, five grand yeah. as I kept renewing it. So it's like I got success. Everyone from high school is like, I see you in this commercial, Facebook, you know, all over. But, like, again, I'm living in this bedroom in Koreatown. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> that's my story is success but not success. So that was happening. And then... Work sweeping hair at a barber shop, which is fucking the worst. And then uh, that's the entire job. Yeah, I was a cashier <laughs> slash sweeping oh, hair yeah. slash like you know the waiting list. Like Jeremiah, it'll be fifteen more minutes. Oh right, <laughs> right fifteen right. more minutes. Thanks so much for waiting. Thank you. <laughs> I like that bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, yeah, man. And then um, I got a little bit of a break. My buddy gave me. He had got a job on Two Broke Girls, and so he gave me his dog walking business. So I was able to be a dog walker, which is actually very good money, and you make your own hours, and you can kind of be your own boss and stuff. So that helped yeah. me a lot when I was doing stand-up was the dog walking job. That was like a saving grace for me. Nice. <laughs> yeah, for wow. sure. So then how did your undateable job come about? Undateable job? Um, man, that's fuck. Okay. Um, as Jeremiah, as you know, like you have to, I think, I think to, I think to, obviously, what do I know? I'm a rookie, 11-year rookie. <laughs> but I think to make it, you have to be very good and you have to kill and you have to always be working hard, but you also have to be lucky. Yes. And so I got a bit of luck. Um, my friend Brent Morin did Montreal just for laughs and he was crushing. Brent was kind of coming into his own and yeah. starting to kill all the time. And he had gotten a general meeting with Bill Lawrence, who created Scrubs and Spin City and Cougar Town. And he, he killed it. Like, Bill loved him. In the general, they talked for an hour. Like, Bill canceled the rest of his day and just hung out with Brent, kind of a thing. That night, he wanted to come see Brent do stand-up. Rick and I happened to be just randomly on that show at the Improv. Mm. And so Bill met all three of us. And that's lucky number one. Lucky number two, he felt like hanging out with us and talking for, like, two hours at the Improv. And lucky number three... Bill happens to be one of the only writers in town who thinks TV sitcoms used to be built around stand-ups and their point of view and their chemistry and their timing and their voice. That doesn't happen enough anymore. It's just yeah. actors trying to be funny. So this particular writer, Bill, wants to have stand-ups be on TV again. 
So that all that happened. And then Rick is very good at talking, and they were able to talk about basketball, and Bill, uh, Rick was able to invite himself into their bas- his <laughs> basketball game. Bill has this private weekly basketball game. And uh, so Brent and Rick played in Bill's basketball game for like four months, and then the undateable audition started. And they got the roles first. Uh, Brent and Rick got the roles first. I auditioned for the gay bartender. Uh, didn't get it, obviously. Uh, not the strongest actor, it turns out. Um, did turn, you feel like that, you did a good audition? I do feel like I did a good audition. That's cool that you got that opportunity. Yeah. Though. That's great. Oh, it's definitely great. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, like, you know, like, um, you got to know your strengths and weaknesses. I'm much better at writing than I'm at acting. I'm definitely good, but can I be a series regular tomorrow? Like, I'm probably not the best choice in the world. Um, sorry to anybody who's listening. Um, <laughs> so... I submit my writing samples. I want to be a writer on the show. Like, I love, I'm a huge fan of Bill's. I want to learn from him. Writing samples aren't strong enough at this time. So I had a choice, and I was like, look, you know, my friends are going to be on the show, and I can, like, you know, be one of those L.A. people who's like, fuck this, man. I should have been on this fucking show. It was my friends. I was at that stand-up show, too. Or I just fucking swallowed my shit because I, I swallowed that shit, and I, I just asked to be the assistant. I was like, can I just please be the writer's assistant and be in the writer's room and learn from you guys and just watch and try to pitch in if, if needed? And he said, yeah, because he knows I know the guys. I know their timing. I know their moves. And you know their voice really I know well. Their you, voice. you hang out with them all the yeah, time. Of yeah, of course. So I was able to be in this rare position. Like uh, Most writer's assistants cannot speak in the writer's room. It's like you're, you're taking down notes. You're not talking. They let me speak right away. So I was able to get jokes in from episode one. Like, I was just part of it, all, which was thanks to Bill and Adam, the other, the creator of the show. Um, and so we wrote out that year, and I learned a ton. Obviously, I got a ton of experience, and all the writers would shit on me all the time, obviously, because I'm the assistant. I'm the rookie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did learn a lot from them. I definitely made mistakes. I almost got fired once. Um, Why? I almost got fired like day five because <laughs> we were doing <laughs> we were doing bits and one of the executive producers did a joke about Rick, which I thought was so funny and I knew that Rick would like. So I tweeted that joke and quoted the executive producer uh, and he was fucking pissed. Like that is apparently is rule one. What's said in the writer's room does oh. not leave the writer's room. Uh, I learned that day real hard that that was rule one. Of course, Rick loved it. Rick thought it was so funny and retweeted it. And like Bill, Bill Lawrence, our head writer, loved it. And he laughed about it and stuff. And we tried to work that joke into an episode. Um, so I, uh, you know, that was good. But still, like, just like the old school, like, writing room. they just, room, like, like, bring I broke you into the, the room like, you never do Yeah, this. he was like, hey, can I talk to you a minute? And then he oh. took me, he took <laughs> as, me as soon office. as somebody yeah. says that, you're yeah, like, it's oh. over. Yeah. It's fucking over, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fucking day five. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to fit in. I'm trying to, like, I have to still be the assistant, but I'm also, I'm allowed to pitch jokes. So it's just, I'm trying to figure out this weird yeah, position I'm this in. Weird kind of and this area. other executive producer the one who i'm not friends with comes hey can i talk to you a minute like fucking it's over dude i'm fucking so scared uh and go into his office and he uh he uh you know told me the way of the business and that the writer the writer's room is a safe place uh and so i learned uh i learned a lot that day and he ended up being obviously the person i learned the most from throughout sure. the year that's how stuff. it always yeah. works man uh-huh. the person who will take the time to pull you aside and kind of humble you like mm-hmm. like put you in your place Dude, you end up learning so much from those yeah. people. Yeah, and he was so funny, and he was the best. But, yeah, I'll never forget that. Hey, can I talk to you a minute? Like, I'll never forget <laughs> like, that, man. Uh, it was the worst. <laughs> now, there was a little bit of time. Uh, you said almost 
10 months, right, yeah. where you haven't been working on the show. Right. Uh, how long of a time, uh, what, what was the period, the length of time that you were in the not knowing of if the show was going to be picked back up? Yeah. And kind of how did you deal with that? Because that's a very stressful yeah. situation. It just happened. It just ended two weeks ago. And so it's nice to talk about it here. And if anybody's listening, this is definitely what not to do. Um, so the, the head writers told me like by week three of season one that if the show were to exist in season two, I would get the job. I would be a writer because I had proven that I'm good in the room or whatever. So I'm all season. I'm walking around like a writer, even though I'm still the assistant. And so then I'm like kind of putting, starting to put my eggs in that basket. And, Mm -hmm. uh, the show wraps. I feel good about every episode is so funny to me. I'm super confident. Uh, NBC doesn't give us an air date. There's no air date. And so mid-season comes and there's no air date. Oh, it's going to be a summer show. And once you find out it's a summer show, all the TV sites start blogging about how that's the kiss of death. The show's just going to get burned off. It's going to be canceled. The show's done. And then to make it worse, we find out that we're being aired back to back. So it's not one episode a week. It's two episodes a week. We're only going to be on the air for six weeks and back to back an, an hour. We're doing which is, a, yeah, yeah, which is hard. It's a kiss yeah. of death is what everyone said. It's, a, yeah. it's an hour of a multicam during the summer when you want to be outside with your family, like hanging out. Um, so that starts. That, that sucks. That's brutal. And then... Uh, we premiere at, I'm getting married at this time, which is crazy expensive. I've never personally had any debt. I've always scraped by, by the skin of my teeth, but now I'm starting to go into debt because I'm paying for this wedding. And it's like, you know, this is the girl of my dreams. It's the perfect timing. She deserves this wedding. I feel good about the show. Like I, you know, I have the verbal confirmation, so I feel kind of comfortable going into debt. Everybody gathers on the lake for our wedding, including Brent and Rick, who are the stars of the show. We watch the premiere with my family. It's that weekend the show premieres. We watch it with my family. Have this great moment. Talk about a magical yeah. weekend. Yeah, man. magical, wow. totally great Dude. weekend. The show, we get the numbers the next morning. We have the strongest summer premiering out of yeah. the last five years on any network. So I feel great. I feel like I'm getting married tomorrow. I feel like the show for sure is season two, looking good. Then we find out next week we're up against the NBA Finals <laughs> one-on-one. <laughs> week two is up against LeBron James, fucking Miami Heat, oh. San Antonio Spurs. And then, so the ratings take a massive hit. And then we find out week three, also up against the NBA Finals, yeah, another game, game six or whatever it was, yeah. the championship game or whatever. Uh, so the ratings go from that high number. They start to become pedestrian. And luckily, we held. So, like, in that half hour, it's a, it's a back-to-back. Every, every single week from half hour to half hour, we never lost anybody. We held the number, which I think is why we got – why we survived. Yeah. But now I'm starting to get nervous because I have this debt. I have no money. My unemployment from the show is over. I have no income. I have nothing. <laughs> I have a maybe job for a maybe show, and that's all I have. And now I have this wife and, like, responsibility, and, like, I'm an adult. Now I'm 28. Like, I'm not – it's not cute anymore. <laughs> I'm not the 22-year-old trying to be a comedian. Like, it's either going to happen or it's fucking not going to happen. <laughs> Um, so I start Lyft driving. I start uh, like opening for my friend Brent. Let me host from in San Diego for cash. Um, I started selling. We have this one friend who knows celebrities, and they always get gifted clothes. So we sell them on eBay to, for money. So I'm selling yeah. celebrity clothes. I'm doing Lyft driving. <laughs> I'm doing stand up. I'm trying to fucking survive. And then the show gets picked up. And right when the show gets picked up for season two, 
Um, my car is too old to do Uber. I can only do Lyft in my car. Yeah. So I need a plan B. I need to have Rick co-sign on a loan for me so I can get a Prius so I can do Uber and Lyft and make enough money to survive. So I'm test driving this fucking Prius <laughs> and I find out the show gets picked up and I start to cry in, in the test drive. <laughs> like with wow. Christian from North Hollywood Toyota, I'm fucking crying in this car with this guy. And so then I think I'm off the hook. I'm good. We made it. Thank God. You know, I'm praying. But then I don't hear from any of the head writers for a month. Like I have that verbal from nine months ago. Yeah. But I don't have like papers. I don't. It's not real yet. And then my manager's like, "Well, they're just starting. We have to, you know, play it out." So that takes a month. So there's this (laughs) month I'm fucking lift driving, and the show's existing. And it's like I think I'm writing, but I might not be writing. And then some of my other friends who are returning writers who wrote on season one have gotten phone calls that they're coming back, and I haven't gotten a phone call. Uh. And so it's just like. Like the hardest month of my life, yeah. yeah. And I'm trying, like, money and fucking. It's my own fault. Like, don't, like, don't put all your eggs in that basket. Obviously, like, don't, like, the wedding. It, it, everything came to a point. The wedding, the money, the unemployment running out. Fucking the job, the show. Like, everything was. It was like this or not, you know. And like, I was starting to get nervous about what it was going to be if, like, you know, maybe they didn't have enough budget. Maybe they could only have seven writers or something or yeah. whatever. I don't know. Like, you start to play tricks, but. Uh, luckily, uh, we got an email from the show's creator that we got it, that we were on. And we, you know, my wife and I cried because she's writing on the show, too, with me. And he says in the e- email, it goes on to say that Warner Brothers Business Affairs was supposed to do all your guys' paperwork two weeks ago. But they're just falling behind. So we thought you guys knew. So for two <laughs> weeks, I'm fucking crying oh, wow. in fear. Well, I was supposed to know two weeks ago, but whatever. So we're saved. Saved by the bell, I guess. Dude, congratulations. It's the worst story, man. but it's a crazy story. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, totally. it's one of those things where, I mean, we, 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 uh, we usually do a Hollywood bitch slap at the, the segment at the end where we talk about that. That's pretty, that's a pretty, unless you have yeah. another one uh, where there's a, big one. that's a pretty, that's yeah. a pretty big one. Yeah. <laughs> Crying in front of your car dealership. Yeah. Yeah. It was the biggest bitch slap I've ever had for sure. Um, and, like, you know, people who come from nothing and have to fight, I think, appreciate it more Absolutely. when you get there. Absolutely. So we're just so happy. We're so happy to, to make good enough money. And, 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 like, you know, being a staff writer is an entry-level job. But, you know, as you guys know, the hardest job to get is your first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after, dude, after so, this, it's just you it, prove yeah. yourself on one show. Nobody wants to be the first one to give you yeah. your first break. And then after right. that, it's like, oh, I, I all of a sudden have a career yeah. because I've established a good relationship. Especially and I'm how funny out good and work. dateable is. It's like yeah. have some I, good rep. Yeah, it's a funny show. It's yeah. fucking for a network multicam. Some of the physical bits and some of the jokes, I'm, I think it's as funny as you can be is my obviously biased opinion. Um, but, yeah, man, so the impossible thing to do is get that first job and – um, that's, it, it took me 11 years. It took me crying in front of a, a car salesman. It took, <laughs> it, it took everything. It took every part of my life for 11 years just to get started. So we're very excited to, to just wake up and go to work and do the thing that we want to do for work. Like that's the best part of the whole thing is yeah. that. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for coming by the podcast. Yeah, uh, man. Where can uh, people find you on Twitter or online or anything like that? Yeah. Everything's just at John DeWalt. There's no H. It's just J O N D E W A L T. Uh, if you live in LA, hit us up and come to a taping, uh, tape nights at our show are the most fun I've ever had in comedy. Uh, Brent and Dalia do stand up in between scenes and it's just, the energy's really high and it's just a really, 
really fun time. So hit me up and I'll get you guys tickets. Awesome, buddy. Well, I'm so happy for you. Uh, and I just wish you continued success. And I'm really happy that, you know, you get to work with friends. And, yeah. dude, you're, you are living the dream right now. You're doing and, it. Uh, yeah. You're doing it. it. So uh, keep it up, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.